This is Pastor Troy. I hope you're doing well. We are wrapping up season two, but you know what that means? The best of season two. Here it comes. It's coming right at you in just a minute, but don't worry. We're in the studio. We're getting ready. We're getting things lined up, and very soon we'll be unveiling season three of On the Dock. In the meantime, you can go back, watch season one. Check it out. It is fantastic. It's not outdated. Go catch it. And now we're in season two, and get ready for this best of season two episode. Pastor Troy, we're on the dock again, ready to go, locked and loaded here, got the chairs loaded up with these wonderful ladies today, my co-host on the set, as well as our team here, we're at onthedock.org. Did you say wonderful ladies? Wonderful ladies and one, one dude, well, me and then you. <laughs> Wait, what, do you, what does that mean? What you're wonderful, wonderful Lucas. He called you wonderful. At the table. You're at that other table over there. You're in the segregated section over there where we put the techno people. <laughs> Yeah, we're here on the doc.org every Tuesday and Thursday, new releases. Glad you're joining us. We're about conversations to propel our faith out of the shallows and into the deep. That's who we are and what we're about. Glad you're joining us. We've got multiple platforms, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Facebook, Google, Facebook, Google Play, Facebook, <laughs> Roku. How do you get to Roku? you got to download the SermonNet app on Roku and then find the On The Doc channel. And we're there as well. SermonNet as well. We house all our stuff archives on SermonNet as well. You can go to COFTV.com. You can find all there. COFTV.com. I'm really on the doc.org. I'm mixed between the church Sunday service. It's Memorial Day weekend where I'm dating this broadcast, but you know what it is when you had a four day weekend, you're just like, oh. All right. Google Play, Facebook, Roku, Rumble, SermonNet. All right. Then we got social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Telegram, and Getter. And you can go to On the Dock and find us. We want you to get there, hit subscribe, like, hit notify, tell other people about it, and you can make fun of the of the pastor getting the show started off hinky today. That's okay. We'd love to have you on our Patreon site and become a partner. We need you as a partner. Go, go. There's four levels of partnership. Go find this for us today. Go to my Patreon, download the app, or you can go to our onthedoc.org, link over to it. There's four levels of partnership where you can come on and be a partner of the channel, uh, or you can be a sponsor. There's a sponsor is somebody that's sponsoring maybe a business or organization you want to sponsor a show. There's three levels and all kinds of things we can do back for you in doing that. Hey, I see tater chips. Oh, there I found my tater chips. You would not believe this. We need you as a Patreon sponsor. Can you throw the lower third Patreon graphic up just for a little for me? Listen, during the episode, we tore up the church finding. We thought there were old donuts from Sunday still here. We tore up the whole church <laughs> looking for the old donuts. Kevin Kurtowski brought five dozen donuts to church Sunday. We're just praying that one old stale donut, we're going to cut it five ways in here. We were going to have it like Holy Communion. We lift up this donut. You know? And we were going to have donut. <laughs> Low blood sugar. Something's happening. <laughs> we were gonna, excuse me. We were going to have a donut, oh, and then there was nothing. And then they got into the stale tater chips. We've had these tater chips for 12 years. Oh, they're not bad. They're, they're, they're okay. I'll eat it. I'm desperate. And, and then we were looking for everything. And so I went into my office, and I have a drawer where I have stuff in it, like peanut butter, a couple cans of soup. It's in case I get barricaded in my office. People, you know, barricade me. I can make myself a clam chowder. So in there was this open, let me get here, this lovely, this is not product placement. This Oreo, it kind of is. somebody gave it to me. It was unsealed. It's been in there a long time. Here's the catch. Listen, it's still crunchy. It's been in there for, I haven't, this is pre-COVID stuff. This is like that, you should that probably that literally describe. scares the crap out of me. You know, <laughs> and then we got another uh, Carolyn. Carolyn's in the studio. That's, that's uh, Lucas's mom. She's our guest today. She's over Studio B watching us. We gave her an Oreo too, but it's sealed. Yeah, you that's got what it. We, for our guests. For those who are only on audio with no video, this is an Oreo crunch moment mm. that you're hearing. Oh yeah, thank you. Because they don't know what you're crunching on. We get one more. Oh, you're but, gonna use this as an an excuse to get another one. Okay. Yeah. I'm giving this to Beth. Mother Beth demanded something sweet, so she's eating like twelve-year-old Oreos. Twelve-year-old Oreos, and so what we're saying is, we could really use a sponsor partner 
that would support us so we could get some food at the table, maybe a fresh bag of chips. Just just send donuts. Our donuts Oreos. Are fine, yeah, yeah, we could use a donut sponsor. If you're a donut. Ooh, people, is there a level of dozen? How many dozens? We we will product place you. <laughs> You get us some donuts. I know Lucas works for another production place. You guys get stuff all the time. Well, if it's hot donuts, it would have yeah. to be a dozen. We don't ever need them for sure. Uh, we're very for good sure. about getting like paid sponsorships. You get stuff. Like stuff. Yeah. I mean, he mm-hmm. comes home with stuff. I mean, it could be milk or butter. Or it can be good. St- I mean, all of it's good. He gets good stuff. Yeah, he brings stuff. Home. He brings stuff home. I mean, it's stuff. We don't get. <laughs> We have to have people that have stuff. With you sponsors, we'll give you one of these coffee cups in exchange for some donuts. (laughs) Let us know. We love you. On the dock, go to Patreon site, become a partner or sponsor. Onthedock.org is our website where you can find out how to get a hold of us and do that. Uh, Donna will negotiate a luxurious deal for you. Mm -hmm. Provide snacks for one of our series. That's right. And we will give you product name placement. Info at onthedock.org is our email. You can get a hold of us. And I'll I'll use the couple's picture. Here's my my lovely wife, Beth, here. Hang on. Here it comes. Here comes lovely picture. Uh, Hi, honey. I just used our only picture in the last episode because I didn't feel like I was awake enough to be able to stand next to her, but I'm much better now. I had an Oreo. O-R-E-O. We got Lucas in the studio as well. Lucas, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, you doing? You didn't get any snacks, did you? No. Lucas is disciplined. He's, he's lost so much weight. He looks great. He never was fat, but but Lucas is lean now. He's like, he can do pull-ups with like weight attached to him. I do pull-ups. Oh, that's right. With, yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah, I do day. pull-ups with my belly attached. You know, <laughs> if, you, if Lucas had to do a weight, a, a pull-up with my belly attached to him, he couldn't get up. I bet you I could get one. I don't know. I'm that strong now. Are you that strong? Yeah. He's, doing, he's been pressing his weight. How many times you bench press your weight, you said? Uh, six. That's outstanding. Yeah. He, he never even thought about that. We got talking about that a few weeks. Yeah. He's really been pushing on. So I'm going to have to go lift with him. I used to bench press my weight lots, and right now I just... Struggle getting off the couch. How can anybody live in this under the same roof with you guys and not be four thousand pounds? I know because he has his own discipline. He, he has kind he, of. He <laughs> pretends that he lives. We try oh. to fat. We fat it over the holidays. We fatten him out. He has oh, his own kitchen and his own but fridge, he, sure. so he's not tempted by all of our. He doesn't come and he break cook, bread he, every yeah. day cook, with you guys. But yeah. he cooks with the carry gold. He cooks as much it. as we do, and he cooks like stuff that smells healthy. He cooks healthy. And it keeps us from going down the hall because we can get some fresh peppers and produce. You don't want to be convicted. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, we cook good stuff. We we have a good, I mean, the house smells great. I use a significantly less amount of butter than they do. Oh, oh. yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, if you're yeah. a butter company, we would be the pri- the great show for you, wouldn't we? Especially which, Carrie which, Gold. But, yep. I was going to say, which butter company exactly do you want this? Carrie Gold. Okay. okay. Yes. I will work with Prairie Farms if they do butter. Do they do butter? Yeah, I love yeah, Prairie we do. Farms. I like Prairie Farms, but I have to tell you, the Celtic stuff. Kerry Gold. Kerry yes. Gold is Carrie just Gold. to me like, Kerry Gold, if you're out there, have your agent call our people. <laughs> we will get you on here. We'll put a piece of butter on here. I, I love Kerry Gold. But I but if I got to go regular butter, then, then Prairie Farms is good stuff too. So yeah. I want real stuff. We real love stuff. Prairie Farms. We love Prairie Farms. I don't like the generic Walmart butter. Mm. It just tastes like no. fake. It's like wax. I don't no, want any wax. It's on. better than that margarine stuff. We got Donna Kranuski. Oh, yeah. You're listening to Donna right now. Donna's, Donna's in the studio with us. How you doing, Donna? I'm good. What did you eat? For, you can't hardly eat anything these days because <laughs> you don't eat. She didn't eat anything. Red meat. She eats. What right. did you, you eat for Memorial Day? What was your Memorial Day? Uh, grilled chicken. You could have come over. We had a fish fry. I could have. Oh, totally. Yeah, I did. I didn't. I missed the we invitation. Fried ha- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> we had fried halibut. There was no invitation. Rock, but we didn't really put out any. But we should have <laughs> called you, though, because you would have enjoyed it. So I'm sorry. That's all right. We would have done it. But we're all in studio. We got Carolyn over here as a guest today in studio. She's in Studio B. She's not mic'd her thing, but but Donna's representing her today on anything she screams out. We're in part five of our On the Dock Season 2 Micah Live Humbly series, Digging Deeper in the Word. So we've been digging deeper. Join us again today, part five. We're going to be in chapter five, which is a great way to be, part five, chapter five. And we're still in that second cycle, cycle one. He, he, he kind of tells, Michael tells the people, you're in trouble because you disobeyed God. Gives them in chapter two, verse 14 and 15, two verses of hope, and maybe 13, 14, 15, two verses of hope. And then in chapter three, he hits another charge against them again. Now he charges the leaders with leading people astray. And in chapter four on our last episode, we began to see that God said there'll be hope for those that are faithful and connected to Christ. Well, in chapter five, one through 15, the hope continues. So we almost have like almost a whole nother chapter of hope. We could use some hope. Go listen to episode four, and we talked about how important we need hope right now, and we need to stay on the positive side. So let's get with this. Um, what we ended with in the last series, uh, in the last in the last version, we talked about the fact that Jesus, in chapter four, 
he is our kinsman redeemer. He's going to come and redeem us and pull us through it. For if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you can maintain that even in the midst of our society today, even in the midst of a cultural fusion where they're trying to take Christianity and fuse it into a whole new hybrid religion. If you can hold your ground and stay faithful to the word of God, stay connected to the teachings of the Bible and not connive or bend your knee or, or, or try to invent a new way because there's not a new way. Then the Bible says that Jesus will be your redeemer. He's going to get you through this. He's going to, if you're lost in the process, if you're, if you're a martyr to the faith, he's going to be there to, to, to bring you back. And, and the bottom line is Jesus has your back. Just stand with him. And so we talked about that right at the end of the broadcast, that there'll be a turnaround and the Lord himself is our turnaround. But we want to go deeper into that. And, and I want to start with um, church. Waiting is our part, is, is part of our ongoing walk with Jesus. Just in a waiting mode. I'm going to cough because the Oreo cookie is there. <coughs> Lucas is mute me in the studio. You think, why is the pastor sound like he's far away? Where's your music that's supposed to cover? Oh, the bumper. The oh, the bumper. The mic. Okay, here, here it comes. Here it comes. Okay, here. now you got to cough. Cough bumper. <laughs> <laughs> Fish fry was our monthly dinner with Josh and Sarah. Oh, cool. Is the bumper running? Can we see maybe monthly? Even though they live five minutes away from us. That's all right. That's all right. You got to make it on your calendar. I mean, you got to. <laughs> I got Oreo in me. Our bumper's about out. <laughs> all right. That was our bumper to there cover my Oreo cookie wreck. All right, church. Waiting is part of our ongoing walk with Jesus. We, we, we're not going to get to the end where he comes back and settles score every, every time we live or in our, maybe even in our lives. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. So part of our faith is to be faithful in the midst of what we're doing, having our eyes fixed on Jesus, knowing he will get us through. All right. Hopefully Lucas can fix all that and make my Oreo coughing fit. Tech, tech that looks bad. If Oreo was paying for this episode, they would be upset. They would say it's a choke. Do you guys know I've been to the? I don't I've know. Had to go, I don't know if they would because of the amount of times that we've said Oreo. They've got good. They yeah. got good stuff, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the, the, I had to actually visit my 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 medical person. Uh, Doctor Parks was out of the country, and I I I basically ate some cookies late at night one night. I was up eating late night, and I I I, I, I what's the word you call when you call aspirated aspirated up an Oreo into my lung? Mm, so a couple yeah. pieces went into my lung, and Elizabeth Parks was my was the PA at the time. She had to do X rays and check all that stuff out and help me get stuff to break it up. And I, Oreos is my favorite food. It's Oreo a to the lung. I love Oreos. And I about died. And I'll tell you what I did. When I got home from that near-death experience with you Oreos, had an Oreo. I had an Oreo. You get, you know, if the horse knocks you off, got to get back you on the climb horse. back up on the horse. And, you, Gee whiz. and I didn't just have an Oreo. I got one of the, not the double stuff, which is, I don't even eat regular Oreos. Double stuff is where it starts. I went and got <laughs> one of those gigantic stuffed ones. Because if I'm going to get knocked off the horse, I'm going to climb up on an elephant. I'm not going to be taken down by some Oreo. I, I, I'm in command. <laughs> that bridges over to the fact that Jesus is in command of our lives too. So we need to be connected to him knowing he's going to get us. If we walk with Jesus, he will get us. Through. That's what the whole 23rd Psalms is. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow death, I am with you. If your shepherd's there and you have a relationship with your shepherd, he's going to get you through the valley. So I guess let me say this is even if leadership is bad in our country and it's bad, we have bad leadership. I'm not picking on any side of the aisles. You pick either side of the aisle and it's just like Bozo the Clown show right now. Yeah. There's nobody being faithful to the word of God. No. It's not even material. It doesn't make any money. So we don't have anything positive in that sense to say, but if you're walking with Jesus, he will walk you through that valley and he will help us get our heads through it at the same time. If we'll follow his ways, we'll be able to lead other people out of it as well because people want to go where there's hope. People in our society want to go toward hope. So if they can see you've got your head up and yes, society's tough, but you're walking with Jesus. People go like, man, you're going somewhere with purpose. Can I go with you? We need to begin to lead people with purpose, knowing that we have a God that has our back if we stay on his purpose. And that's what I want to start with on this episode. We aren't comfortable. I know in general as a society, we aren't comfortable today uh, with waiting because when we wait, I think a lot of us feel like waiting is bad use time. In our society today, when you wait, you immediately go to your phone and occupy your time. You be immediately begin to play Candy Crush. My wife plays Candy Crush. Or you begin to, I'll start reading my, my news feeds. I have about four or five news feeds. If I have dead time, I'll read those. I'll read some of my Telegram stuff. I'll read other, other blogs I'm on. 
it's just like, man, if I have dead time, I can't just have dead time. I, I, I hate mm-hmm. waiting. And so a lot of us feel like it's a bit pointless or worse. And so I think sometimes we miss out when we're waiting on opportunities to kind of focus on him because we kind of get doing our own stuff. We kind of get our head down. And for me, uh, if, if you think about this, for me, when I went to seminary and then I went from Alney uh, and, and, and when I went to seminary, I went to seminary for the very purpose of coming back to Carterville in Craneville area to start a church. I went all the way to seminary in Georgia to get trained to be a pastor so I could come plant a church here, right here in the Craneville, Carterville area where we are now. The thing about it is I didn't come back here. I thought when I left, I was going to come back here. I had a plan to come back. I wrote a plan that says the Craneville New Church Start Project. Went and got a a, a $70,000 degree, $80,000 master's degree in divinity so I could be ordained and come back here and do that as a United Methodist pastor. And I wrote a program for it. I wrote a package for it. Was told I would get to do it. And I went there and did all that to do it. And all I found out was when I got ready to come back, as I said, you're going to Holland, Illinois. Alany, Illinois is 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 a nice little town, the home of the white squirrels. Have you ever seen the albino albino mm-hmm. squirrels there? It was interesting, but it wasn't Craneville. It wasn't where I wanted to plant a church at. Matter of fact, I got appointed to be an associate. I had I got to be the senior pastor of a little church called Noble, a little church I would preach there. I was a senior there, but I was associate at a bigger church in the in the larger city, Alany, not a larger city, but a city about the size of Marion, Heron, and more like here, I would say. Yeah. And I, so I was the associate there. Now, the senior pastor had his doctorate from Fuller in church development evangelism. So they put me there thinking he would be a person that could mentor me for a little bit post-seminary and kind of get me along the pathway to help me get ready to do church planning. In other words, the conference was putting me there to kind of put me on hold or on ice for a while. And so I went up there and spent a year basically Basically, the one thing about the pastor when I got there, I, he, he said, you're so bright, you should be doing what you want to be doing. I don't know why they put me here, put you here, but he says, I'm rel- Bruce said, I'm relieved by it. You've got great vision. How about I just give you everybody under the age of 40? And that's what a new church would have. You have a lot of young people and you just do everything. You, 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 program the, you reprogram the children's ministry, reprogram the youth ministry, reprogram your small group ministry. And, and everybody you bring in that's in your group, you, you, you baptize, you lead to Christ, you, you, know, you do their installation in the church. I was only there one year. We began to bring, we brought in over 120 people into the church in that year because I, I rewired the church, the children's church. I mean, she was involved in that nursery. We started small groups and the church started, it took off. About three months into it, every Sunday, we were taking five, six, seven new people into the church. We were baptizing people. It was just, God was moving. And the people began to ask after about six, seven months, it was good, why is Bruce the pastor? Why isn't Troy the pastor? He's taking like 120 people into church. Bruce taking nobody. He's done nothing but funerals. He's done funerals for all the older people who are dying. And I said, well, the reason he's not doing any of those is he's letting me do fun ministry. And he goes to the stupid meetings. He goes to the finance committee meeting. He goes to the board meeting. I don't have to go to any of that garbage. I was going to planning meetings with children's church, youth pastor. It was like planning a church myself. And we were just cut loose. So Bruce covered my back and I got to practice like with a net in Bartim and Bailey. Mm-hmm. I was doing trapeze work with a net. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was a waste of my time. I did so well that... It was not a waste of your time. Well, it wasn't. A wa- it felt like when I went there, it was going to be a waste of my time, oh, but it ended like up it. not being a waste yes. of time. Yeah. And and so I learned a lot of things, and I got to experience a lot of things, and I got to grow in a lot of things. But but the church was growing so much that it began to be a threat to Bruce. People are like, well, wh- why do we have him? Why would we just have to? And, and so a friend of mine advocated. Her name's Melissa Bishop. She uh, Melissa Bishop and Shane were down the road. At, they were down the road at Sumner, and they went to them and said, why don't you have Troy start the new church? That's what he went to seminary for. That that he's growing that church ridiculously. You know the the people. Or, you know, let him go. He's, you know, he's on the, and so they finally talked my superintendent at the time, John Annable, into rethinking about me as a church planner. And he said, the only problem is they don't want Troy to go to Carterville, Craneville, because the, the superintendent there, Dr. McLean, had fallen out with the other district superintendents. And so basically, they didn't want to give him me to go start that church because it would look like a win for him. And they, they accused Dr. McLean, he was, he was from Guyana. They accused him of kind of running his own conference in his district. And he had a real good vision. I love Dr. McLean, great man of God. And uh, they accused him, running, but they, the last thing they wanna do is hook me up with him because I'd gone to seminary based on his promise to let me start church there. And the last thing they wanna do is let him succeed at doing that as well. So, so they came back to me and they said, we don't wanna let you go there because it would cause a problem. And, but we got a place in Highland. So I went over to Highland, looked at Highland. 
looked at looked at the community. They said we got some people. The Winklers were there. The Kunstises were there, and they said we got some people interested in starting a church over there. And so I went over with Shane, and we looked at it and really kind of liked the community a lot. And um, drive, on the way back, kind of got a vision for it. Got back to my office. I called John. So what I got to do? He says I need a proposal. I got a meeting tomorrow. So I went in and took the Craneville project. Took Craneville out everywhere. I just did fine Craneville. Changed it to Highland. I didn't change the number demographics, the people demographics, or nothing. I didn't have time to do that. And Craneville demographics are quite different than the Swiss people in Highland. So I left them and just sent the same proposal, exact same proposal. But before I did that, I said, Dr. Animal, I can't do this. Dr. Roderick McLean helped me get this right. And I feel like I'm betraying him. I know what happened. I know what people did. I know it's not right. And unless he releases me, I'm not going to hand you the plan him and I worked on. So we both called Dr. McLean and, 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 and Annabelle said to him, he said, you know that they're not going to let you do it because you're out of favor. I can help Troy get this appointment to Highland. And Dr. Annabelle says, I just want what's best for Troy. Let him plant a church. And so Dr. Annabelle, uh, Dr. Par McLean released me to go to, to go work with them on this other project. And I felt like, well, I wasn't backstabbing him. So I went to Highland, planted a church. That's how we met Lucas and, and, and different ones. It was very successful. And, 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 you know, we went from there on to Waterloo, did another church plant, Pawnee. We did work up in Pawnee, met a lot of other people. And we did all these things. And, and we're talking about years of stuff. We're talking about 20 years of work from coming out there. And if you think about it, there's all kinds of things happening. And then in year 20, I get a call to come be the pastor here at Carterville at these crossroads. And now I'm pastoring at the church, which is within a mile of where I thought I would put the other church. It took me 20 years to get back to where I was doing work in the zone that I originally thought God was going to put me at. We sometimes just have to walk with God long enough that he can get us to where he wants us. And you had let go of that. I had let go of it. I thought, well, okay, Highland's going to be the substitute for that. Yeah. Wardle will be something else. And then I was ready to leave the Methodist church. I was frustrated with what was going on after I was up at Pawnee for a few years. It was going into degradation. I, I didn't like the stands. I was taking as high a stands as I could. I had risen in the church as far as I could go. But I realized that I was on a seeking garbage scowl. And so I decided I wanted to get out. My son said he didn't want to be in it, you know, Josh. And so I began to look for exits. And that's how I got to Community of Faith Church. And what's interesting is, it's there, I got to hear, I've been a part of the Heron House of Hope, we've been able to plant churches in Africa, we've been able to plant churches in Thailand, and I just take a look at me being willing to walk with Jesus has ended up with a vision so much greater mm -hmm. than if I had just beamed right in here the way I wanted to. I would have never met Carolyn and Lucas. My life would be so much flatter without them in our lives. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have met all kinds of other people. People that are on the broadcast that watch our church from Jeff and Susan who watch it from Michigan and friends of ours in Florida. We wouldn't have friends of ours in Asia or Thailand or Africa. Mm -hmm. All those came because I went on the journey with God and what I thought was persecution was God using it as a honing stone to get me ready for today. His plan's always better. Yeah, I, it's a long story to say yeah. to you that Micah 5, sometimes we may be depressed in what we're going through, but sometimes God's using the pressure of those moments to create a diamond in you. And that's what we got. That's why you got to get your head back up sometimes. And it feels oppressive because to tear in coal into a diamond takes a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and a lot of heat. And we can feel like, oh my gosh, God's trying to kill me. But God could be trying to perfect you. And he's saying, just keep your eyes on me. That turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's so true. So true. Um, it, however, waiting for God to grow us is a tough hoe sometimes. Because you, you, it's full filled with what you think are temporary losses. But if you keep your eye on God, like you said, we've done more here than we would have ever possibly thought we could have done the first time around. I mean, it, it gave credibility. When I came here, we started the Heron House of Hope. We did it because of my experience of doing similar things in Highland and uh, Waterloo and Pawnee. So I wouldn't have had the experience to start the Heron House of Hope then. I was here as a young pastor before seminary talking about what we needed to feed the hungry. I left a conversation 20 years before about that in a minister alliance meeting, walked back in 20 years later, they were having the same conversation, looked directly at Steve McEwen, who we laughed about this at the prayer breakfast last week, looked directly at him and said, are you kidding me? And, he, and his words to me were this, yes, we're still talking about what you left at your last meeting. <laughs> and I said, that's ridiculous. I said, I've done this three other ways. Look, and, and he says, if you do this, here's what, here's what he said. 
He said, if you offer yourself as a solution to this, you have to pick these other pastors up and carry them on your back to do this because you're the only one here that has a vision that's actually seen this done. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'll do it. And that's how we started the Hair and House of Hope. Others joined in, but it's, it, I mean, it's been 10 years of lifting. I mean, I mean, I couldn't have done that lift though without having gone where I went with the Lord. Sure. I mean, so it lets you know that if you think things are rough and Micah's rough, if you'll just keep your eyes fixed, God will get you through. Waiting is part of our ongoing, I'm gonna back that up and say that again. Let me get back to my slide here. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, waiting is part of our ongoing walk with Jesus. So if you'll just stay walking with him, you don't know what kind of strawberries and blackberries and blueberries and what kind of incredible gifts you're gonna pick up along the way. So there is a story, I'm gonna use this as an example for us to talk about. You guys ever heard the story of this 2003 story of surfer Bethany Hamilton? Mm -hmm. um, it's incredible. In 2003, the story of Bethany Hamilton uh, illustrates this a, it, she's 13 years old. Bethany was uh, surfing off the island of Hawaii when she was attacked by a tiger shark, big bad shark. And it left her without her left arm, devastating for somebody that's a surfer. You gotta get up on the board, you know? And devastated by the tragedy, arm gone. And Bethany questioned whether she could ever continue to surf. She wanted to be a championship surfer. And she pressed on and figured out how to move forward while waiting on God. She worked through it, struggled through it. And about a year following her accident, losing her arm, Bethany signed up with World Vision, a Christian organization that does overseas stuff. And she boarded a plane en route to tsunami-stricken Thailand. So this is where we work in Thailand, but this is years before that. She went to Thailand and she spent there weeks serving the people of Thailand after the big tsunami had hit there. And perhaps she did it in a very in, in memorable way. She took kids that had been devastated by the tsunami wave, a big wave that just hits them and just wiped them out, killed many of the people. And to help them overcome their fear, she took 50 kids out and taught them how to surf in the water again. This is somebody who would have been a championship, you know, surfer. She took them out and taught them how to surf again and overcome their fears. And yes, she got back into some competitive surfing. And, and, and she says in her writings that she would have never wanted to lose her arm, but the, but, but, the, but the benefit from what she got to do because of it was priceless. Yeah. Sometimes God puts us through very difficult situations. And if we can just keep our eyes fixed on him, he's got some incredible, incredible things to us. So let's look a little bit at chapter five because there's a lot more hope there. And let me see if I can get you to a little bit of it here real quick. And chapter five, we're continuing with the hope of cycle two. Mobilize, marshal your troops. The enemy is laying siege to Jerusalem. They will strike Israel leaders in the face of the rod. In other words, the leaders are gonna pay for, for pushing and leading people astray. But look at the promise here. This is one of the greatest promises one of the greatest prophecies in the entire Bible. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. It's a prophecy. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, in other words, he's the Logos, in the beginning, his origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. Who is born as our savior of the world in Bethlehem, folks? I mean, Jesus. This is the promise of this hundreds of years that there will be a deliverer to come. And, and let me say this, the people suffered. The people, I mean, by the time you get to Jesus's birth, there's 400 years where there's been no prophecy. Micah's prophecy ends, there's 400 years. There's some intertestamental stuff that the Catholics have. You know, there's some in-between stuff, but that's the time of the Maccabeans. There's no voice of God being heard. And the last voice of God in, is in these Old Testament prophets that are saying, hope will come, just be faithful. And God sends his hope at the right time. He, he waits to a certain time to do it. And a lot of people go, why did God wait till, you know, maybe 3 BC to 33 AD to bring the Messiah? And a lot of people have analyzed that because of the Maccabean reign and the, and the Greco, -Rome, the Greco uh, world was kind of unstable, it's in the Roman period when Romans brought stability to the time of Israel. Even though Israel was captive as slaves, as a vassal state to Rome, Rome brought to the world the first glimpse of the ability of a gospel to go around the world. Because Rome brought a mail delivery system, a world of that day road system. Even right now, Beth and I are watching a Turkish show on Netflix called uh, uh, Resurrection Ertugal. And you see them 
on these roads with the horses traveling. Those roads are all Roman roads. So the road, even, even today in Turkey, you can find the, the old Roman roads still, where all the roads went through the world and through the, the silk belt and all that stuff. The Romans brought roads and they brought places along those roads where people could, hostiles and places to sleep, places to change the horse. They created a network where disciples could actually begin to journey around the world and share the gospel. Up until that time, it had been very dangerous for disciples to take off and go around the world preaching the gospel. Paul could not have probably done what he did 20 years earlier, 30 years earlier, 40 years, because there would not have been a network to protect him. Mm. There wouldn't have been a safety to do it. And the Romans brought a certain amount of safety. They brought, they brought problems, but they brought an opportunity. And it's like God had to wait for the right time, but he always had a plan. And it's the same way with us. God is in our lives always there, but he's always looking for the right time to take you to the next level, the next place. So I just want you to think about that. So he's our kinsman redeemer. Look at verse three. This, I talked about this in the last episode, that the people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. But then that woman gives birth in Bethlehem, and that's our kinsman redeemer. At last, his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land. This is the first chance in Jesus Christ that we have a chance to be saved and come out of lost and into salvation. We have a chance to get back on a path that leads us to uh, to paradise again. Mm-hmm. The, remember the thieves on the cross? There's two thieves. One curses him. The other says, hey, why are you cursing him? We're worse than he is. And the other one says, hey, Jesus, you're, you're, you're chill. I want to be with you. Can I be with you in paradise today? Or can I be? Can I go with you? And Jesus says, you'll be with me in paradise today. Jesus reconnects us at the right time with paradise. He gives us a pathway home. And um, I just think that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. He, he's a shepherd king, the Bible talks about. He's a shepherd king who defends his flock in the strength of the Lord and provides comfort and security. Pretty cool. Yeah. Micah 4 shows us that shepherd king. He will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his people, of the Lord, his God. And then his people will live there undisturbed for he will be highly honored around the world. Now, obviously that's not now because Jesus isn't highly honored around the world right now. But the shepherd started the process when he was born. He'll finish the process in the last days when he returns. And there'll be restoration. And those that keep their eye on him as their kinsman redeemer will make it through. I mean, there's a real good promise there. Verse three, go, let me go back to verse three for just a second. Verse three says, the people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. I mean, so basically the world was going astray. It had really discontinued. And when Christ was born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem of Ephrath, the world changed. The calendar changed. The time changed. The date changed. Everything changed for us. And look at this. Then at last, his fellow countrymen, all those things we talked about will return from exile to their own land. And he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength. In the majesty of the name of the Lord is God. Then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world. He's not honored yet, but he will be. That's what the streaming we talked about is all about. There'll be a time when the Lord will be streaming from Jerusalem. And, and we will be the source, listen to this, and we and he will be the source of peace when the Syrians invade our land and break through our defenses, we will appoint. Now this is talking, he's jumping back into the fall of Judah, not Judah now, Israel. They fall first to the Syrians. He already talked about in previously four how Judah's gonna fall to the Babylonians. So even when the people were falling in those days, they still had a source of strength in God. They still had a source of strength in knowing that even then, if they were faithful, the remnant would be brought back. We have a source that's even more faithful today that if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're promised to get through even to the end time. And so there's a there's like a promise and a promise. For those that were living in Micah's time, if they kept their eye on God, they would be saved through there. What are they saved for? To share the, the to share their faith with the next generation and the next generation. And now we're one of those descending generations. And we now have a greater promise. We actually exist in the time of the woman who gave birth from the, from the man of Galilee in Bethlehem. And now we not only have the promise of seeing that, we have the promise of knowing that he is now our kinsman redeemer and will get us. And when the Syrians invaded our land and break through our defense, we will appoint seven rulers to watch over us, eight princes to lead us. Listen to this. And they will rule Assyria with drawn swords, enter the gates of the land of Nimrod. He will rescue us from Assyria and when they pour over the borders to invade our land. God was going to save the remnant then. Now look what he says about the remnant. Then the remnant left in Israel will take their place among the nations. They will be like dew sent by the Lord 
or like rain falling on the grass, which no one can hold back and no one can sustain. The remnant left, verse eight, in Israel will take their place among the nations. They will be like a lion among the animals of the forest, like a strong young lion among flocks of sheep and goats, pouncing and tearing, and tearing as they go with no rescuer in sight. The people of Israel will stand up to their foes and all the all their enemies will be wiped out. I want you to think about that. I mean, all we have to do is hang on. People then, be faithful to God. People now, be faithful to Jesus Christ. And the remnant, there'll be a time when we stand up. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah. It's a part, I mean, many find themselves stuck in situations that just don't make sense. I cannot figure out why the bishop at that day sent me to Olney. And, and I blamed the bishop for a long time. And, and yes, the bishop made that decision, but the sovereignty of God was in it. And so in our hardship today that we face, maybe in our society with things that we don't like seeing, it's not that God wants that, it's not that we should be doing that, but in the sovereignty of it, God still has Donna, he has your back, he has Lucas's back, he has Carolyn's back, he has my back, he loves us, he's our kinsman redeemer, he will see our families through it. And yes, there may be some hard times, but we're promised a resurrection day. We're promised a day of celebration, of where we're, we're, we're mourning will turn, turn to joy. We're promised a turnaround. And sometimes it just doesn't, I would have never dreamt that God could have gotten an advantage over sending me to Olney. And now I look back and go, look at all the advantages of God sending me to Olney. I mean, if I were to do it all over again, I would do it the same way. Because I wouldn't have been able to pick up the friends and the people and the knowledge that I had. And had I got exactly the way I wanted it, I wouldn't be the person God would have me to be. We don't all quite understand God's ways. I think we really struggle with understanding God's ways. And, and at times, I think we just have to trust him. And it's not always easy to trust him because when you walk out on the water to go meet Jesus, you know, there are still waves and winds. And there's people behind you saying, don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to drown. Yeah. You know, there's people out there that are very negative and there's people and, and, and it, it's scary. And unless you keep your eyes on him, you won't see it. And sometimes you can't see it till you've walked through it and look back and go, I did that. I look back now and go, there's just no way that we could be feeding people. I look at John's ministry today at the Heron House of Hope. I mean, had I not walked through that, he couldn't be walking in the ministry. He's walking with some people. And, and it, it makes us understand that we're all connected as brothers and sisters and we got to take our paths and be faithful to our paths because we don't know what other ministries and what other things God's going to do will come mm -hmm. off those. Mm -hmm. Look at Paul's journey through his three or four journeys, missionary journeys. Look at all the ministry that develops off that. Timothy, Titus, all the disciples that are made, all the churches that are planted. I mean, Paul goes back and when he visits in um, Colossians, we talked about Colossians in our other series. Colossians is a church which he didn't start. Paul's children started. So Paul's always just the grandpa there. Hmm. He goes and ministers to the people at Colossians, the Colossian Colossae, and he's ministering to them through Ephesus who started the church. But he's 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 like, uh, like my mentor is Fred Bishop. You know, I started churches, but I started those churches through what I learned through my mentorship with Fred. So Fred didn't actually minister to the people, but but through me, Fred was able to minister to the people. There are so many times that we don't realize how we connect with people and what that makes and, and how we're related to other people spiritually, you know? And so yeah. the house, there's so many things that, that have come out of that and other ministries and other people I've been connected to and going that when you begin to look at that, if each one of us will do that journey and be faithful to it, we can all send people all around the world through our own outreaches and different things. I mean, so when we start trying to manage it, it really gets crazy. So. Church, what is clear for me here, I put this in text here, what is clear for me, uh, guys, is that the hope and promise of cycle two is despite, no matter how bad our leaders are, no matter how bad and ungodly the times are, those that remain obedient and faithful are promised the hope of our champion and a good shepherd. We don't have to manage this. We just have to be faithful. We don't have to, to, to know where it's going. We just have to make a step that's honorable and righteous as we go. And even if we've stepped in the wrong direction and we have a repentant heart, he will get us back on path. Because the sheep don't determine where the, the sheepfold goes. The shepherd does. 
He leads them to still water. He leads them to green pasture. Now, it feels like the sheep are kind of wandering around, but we know that they just crook one of them or send the dog out and around and kind of redirect them a bit. Yeah, the sheep gets to pick which blade of grass he eats. That's our free will. But God overhand has got the control of the life ahead of us where that free will operates. That's so hard. I know it's tough. We, we have free will, <laughs> but God has control over the world in which we operate that free will. We like to know the destination. Yeah, we do. We want to put it into our GPS and get there. Absolutely. Had I, I, I you, think, too, if, go ahead. if we feel like God's given us an assignment or, or a call in our life or something, I, I think we just assume that God expects us to make it happen. Like, this is what I want you yeah, to do. Yeah, I've got to make all this happen. Mm-hmm. Go do this. Rather right. than just take a step faithfully and a step faithfully. Right. Like in the Bible, no seas parted, no rivers parted until the disciples put their feet in the water. Right. You know, God just says, put your foot next step forward. And, and what what you can't do, I'll do. And what, what you can do, you do. And, and God works with us one day at a time, one step at a time. You didn't gather bread for weeks ahead. You gather, gathered the manna for the day ahead. Give me this daily bread. And God's just not into us needing to have all this stuff down the road. Because, you know, I don't know. This is complex. But <laughs> but if we all have free will to some extent, we all have free will in the sense of our own salvation. And God knows what everybody's free will is going to cross. But the free will may change for somebody. I don't know if God has to redirect paths or, or if he's like, like a like a, a, the person at the airplane in the tower that's directing stuff going, yep, okay, Troy's on path. Oh, Beth just made her free will decision. We got to put him in her path now so the two of them can get together and be married happily ever after. And then they're going to be on a new, stronger path. I don't know if God, I believe God knew our path before it even started. So if he's the alpha and the mega, he sees the beginning and the end. But, you know, he knows what Beth's ultimate decision is going to make, but he didn't make it. He knew what mine were going to be. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine the web of, of pathways that God has to see and manage no. that world around? Unimaginable. Unimaginable. Right. The, the number of, they say like when these world championship, like, I mean, talking about like brainiac chess players. Mm-hmm. When they play, there's a chess movie on Netflix. that's just phenomenal. Go watch that chess movie. It's incredible. The one with the girl. Incredible. When they make the first move, and the other chess player makes the counter move. These super chess players can see every move mm-hmm. that's going to finish the game. And they, they're already, they're not just working on the next move like I do. I'm like, well, I'm going to do this and then this. They already see checkmate. And then right. this and then this and then this. Yeah. And then if somebody else down the road makes a move that's different, they rerun the, the it's like every time a move's made, they're rerunning the stream of odds. Recalculating. Yeah, recalculate. Yeah. Yeah. Like your GPS, recalculating, <laughs> yeah. recalculating. God, I just wonder how much that God has to do. It's just oh, amazing. Oh, lots of it. Oh, my think? gosh. I mean, you can't even imagine. But we have a. Incre- but that's no reason to think. I mean, it's there's no reason to think he can't do that. I mean, he can do that. God is that's, managing. That's what he does. God is managing the stuff well. But, but just because we can't imagine it doesn't oh, mean right. it's not possible. And right? we need and to I let him manage it. And we let him manage it by just trusting that our shepherd has us. And one day at a time, take good, faithful steps. Right. Trust God. Keep right. our heart right, knowing that he will get us through the valley. He'll get us over the mountaintop, and he'll get us beside still waters, and he knows when we need to rest. In that day, Micah 5.10 says, In that day, says the Lord, I will slaughter your horses, destroy your chariots, I will tear down your walls, demolish your defenses, I will put an end to all witchcraft, praise God. I will, listen to this, there'll be no more fortune tellers. I will destroy all your idols, sacred pillars. So you will never again worship the work of your own hands. God's going to level all this down at some point in time. I, I, I can't mm. wait for that. I will abolish your idol shrines with their Asherah poles and destroy your pagan uh, cities. I will pour out my vengeance on all the nations that refuse to obey me. I guess the key here is don't refuse to obey. Even if your nation does, don't you refuse. He can sort the needle out of the haystack and he can also see the nations that are faithful. So the key here is be ready in season and out of season for that day. Yeah. I guess I guess my question I would have for us here as we kind of get to the back end of this broadcast, will we be for God, for Jesus? Will we be not just for him, will we be walking with him or will we be found in a position that's against him? Will we have connived? Will we have uh what's the word, compromised ourselves? Will we have fused ourselves to things of the world that would hurt our witness? So I, I, a bigger question is, will we be redeemed or will we be one of the ones he pours out his vengeance on? 
I think the only way we can look at that is it lies in whether we truly, truly decide to be obedient or not. You know, we have to decide whether we're going to be obedient. I, I had this, the Lord really gave me this word back when I was doing the series that, that faith is not faith without practicing it. You can't call yourself a, a, a faith-filled Christian, a faithful follower of Christ without practicing it. And can you have a faith without practicing it? I'd say no. You can't have a faith and not actually let it walk with you and do it. But in practicing your faith, maybe you're not the best at it. Maybe you stumble. Maybe you make a wrong turn or two. And you're going to make mistakes and you're going to make errors because when you walk out your faith, it can be a little messy in culture with your kids and with your family and making decisions. It can be a little messy. And it can, and it can, and it's because you're practicing. When you practice, you you make mistakes. You you miss balls. You 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 don't hit everything. You make errors in baseball. You're gonna do the same thing in practicing your faith. But when you think you are beyond it and you think you're too good to to practice it and, and put it into action, then you're really just becoming a spectator. You're just somebody that says, I am a Christian, but you're not really living it. You're just sitting up there kind of like watching it. Right. And I think when you become a spectator to faith, you're not really practicing it. I think you're a spectator and as such, you're an outsider. I don't think there's any faith that doesn't come by practice and putting the words into action. And that's what James was trying to say. Faith without works is dead. He's not saying that you get saved by your works. He's saying that a faith that doesn't really work it out is not really a faith. It's an item that's sitting decoratively on a shelf that's nice to look at, but it's not practical. And everything God's about is us practically walking with him and being faithful. And all of the definitions of faithfulness include, at every case, walking it out and finishing it. If you're not walking it out, will God consider you to be faithful? Well, I think it's a great question. I think we all have to walk it out, and, 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 and the Bible gives us those options to do that. So I hope everybody will. Let me go back and throw that question up, and I'm going to leave that. We'll leave the episode with that question. We'll all talk about it one more time. Let me get to the next one that we're there. Will we be with him? Will we be for, with, or against him? And I think you can be for him like cheerleading from a distance. Spectator. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's good enough. Or will we be with him? God forbid we're against him. So, But I, I think spectating is just about as bad because that's the lukewarm. That is Hot, lukewarm. cold, or lukewarm. So, lukewarm yeah. is bad. So, so we really have almost three choices. Only one turns out good, though. And will we be redeemed, or will we be one of the ones he pours? Are we the source of the remnant, and we're going to be happy to be redeemed? Or are we going to be the ones that are run over because we didn't make ourselves faithful to be redeemed? I mean, there are two, two, two scenarios in all that we've read. There are people that are going to achieve, and there are people that won't achieve. And what does that achieve? Faith in Christ. Faith that's practiced. And so all of us out there, our faith comes by learning and learning comes by practicing and doing the word of God. So people are going to start living their faith out, even in these difficult times, because it's what it's called for. And that's how we get through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, thanks for joining us, guys. Anybody, anybody got any follow-up questions? You guys have been fed you. You got quieter. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> just remember, just remember this text from here, Micah 5.2. Uh, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrath, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on our behalf. Listen, Jesus came. This was fulfilled. And he is our shepherd and our kinsman redeemer. And by keeping your eye on him, he will get you through. Lock in on this. I mean, there's a lot of disaster in Micah, but the hope of it is, is that Jesus Christ is here. And if you have a personal relationship with him, you can make it through it. So make sure you do that. How do you get that personal relationship? I have a great text I always like to use in Romans. Romans has a great text, 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Accept him as your kinsman redeemer with your heart, with your lives. Look for with the heart, one believes under righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You can't just have a belief. You got to, you got to confess it and then live it out. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're out there today and we've inspired you in any way, we'd love for you to reach out to us. You can reach out to us and talk to us anytime. Go to on the doc.org or you can email us at info at on the, on the doc.org. We'd love to hear from you. If, 
you have been encouraged or inspired, if you've got a story about how God maybe puts you through a journey that's a lot longer than you thought, but you know you're where God needs you to be, we'd love to hear your testimony. How can you do that? You can go to our social media sites at the bottom of the page, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Telegram, Getter. We would love to hear from you. If you have a story like I did where God took you five years, 10 years, like me, 20 years around the path to get you back. I got back to Carterville and Craneville after it's all said and done, but I came here a lot more equipped than I was after seminary. And God had a plan to get me here. I just had no idea. He had a lot of things I need to learn in the process to be the most useful I could be at that time. And he's still working on me and he still has things for you like he does for me. So go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Getter, and we would love to hear from you about those things and we would love to just share back with you. And you can go to YouTube, Instagram, uh, not YouTube, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify are our primary uh Focus sites where you can go watch us, but we also have presence on Google Play, Facebook, Roku, Rumble, Sermonet. Check those out as well. But when you get to those sites, listen to this. Go hit subscribe, like, hit notify, share your comments with other people, get other people to listen, share out the codes so people can join us on the podcast, which drop every Tuesday and Thursday. We'd love to have you as a Oreo cookie sponsor, be our Patreon sponsor or our partner sponsor. We'd love to have your partnership. If you own a donut shop, please call us. We need you. Go to Patreon site to find out how you can have four levels of partnership or three levels of sponsorship. We'd love to talk to you. And if you don't have a church home, 1030 on Sundays, 1030, 10. That's had a rough time on this. I'm having a bad time today because I didn't eat enough Oreos. <laughs> 10 o'clock on Sundays. Gosh, people, 10 o'clock. Uh, I was thinking it was like half our people get here about, about 1030. Don't be like our people. Be here at 10 o'clock. Be like our people. Don't be like our people. Come at 10 o'clock. Show them how to get here on time. 10 o'clock on Sunday, 630 on Wednesdays. Go to COFTV.com. All the information's there about how to find our church. More details on it as well. As well as you can find our links to our online streaming service, which is through Facebook and YouTube, Rumble, and SermonNet as well. We'd love to have you again. 10 o'clock Sunday, 630. Is that right, Beth? Did I get it right? 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock Sunday, 6.30 on Wednesdays. Yes. Mother Beth will look forward to greeting you and she will get her husband treatment <laughs> for his uh, mind today. Uh, Donna, thank you. Absolutely. Carolyn, you were quiet. <laughs> Talk up in the next episode. Lucas, thank you. Mother Beth, thank you. Thanks for everybody joining us. Uh, get out there and get in the word and get on the right path and know that Jesus Christ is your kinsman redeemer. Lock in on him. And yes, you may step into some waves every now and then, and maybe the voices cause you to go shy, but be like Peter. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He completely saves. And when Peter began to sink, Jesus grabbed him and put him on the path. Know that he is our great shepherd. Know that he'll lead you. Just keep your eyes fixed on him. And in those last days, you'll be victorious. And in between there, Let's do what we can to build the kingdom and have others to follow us to Jesus Christ. That's our commission, to put the gospel out there and let people be redeemed. Yes, they have free will, but God is in control of the whole picture, and let's make the picture as godly as we can. God bless you. Thanks for joining us in the discussion today. We'll see you in part six. Part six, when we get into, let me see, Lucas, we're going to get into, I forgot to put this up. We're getting to Micah chapter six, verse one through 16. So we'll be back to do that in the next episode. God bless you, and we'll see you soon. I'm Pastor Troy, and you've been with us on the dock. Take care.